Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the World Cup podcast with Richard Baha. A last little special uh, on the UEFA Champions League that we saw during the week. Now, it's uh, about two, three days since it's all happened. Just enough time for all the social media reaction to follow. So many talking points. We'll try and keep this one short just because we want to get straight to the point here. Loris Karius, a moment of silence. Now, to be honest, I feel quite sorry for Loris Karius. Uh, I've seen his Twitter posts. I think there are about three. And, um, of course, you don't even need the Twitter posts when you see his reaction after the game. Now, of course, if you, if you did not watch the match or if you somehow live under a rock, uh, UEFA Champions League uh, free rock, then you would know that Real Madrid won the game 3-1. Um, Loris Karius, two complete howlers. That really changed the complete tone of the game, um, amongst other things, which we'll get to. But uh, just back on this topic of Loris Karius, the Liverpool goalkeeper, the first first howler um, could have been a complete lapse of com, uh, communication. Um, it's not completely clear, and I doubt we'll ever get a real explanation um, as to whether he just received a bad call from a defender, even though you know it's not really excusable. Um, after the goal did go in, you can see him yelling at his teammates maybe to say no one spoke to me or someone spoke to me and it was the incorrect call. And I just followed through with, you know, an instinctual reaction to hearing a defender call for a ball. Um, so that's something that hasn't really been discussed much, but um, there's just a, a great chance that his reaction there was more just to save a bit of face at the time. Uh, saw a commentary uh, somewhere along the grapevine that one mistake like that first one is enough to make you uh, the villain of the game. Whereas a second mistake of the calibre of that second mistake, um, which was quite quite poor, uh, really puts you in, in the annals of, of horror mistakes throughout history. You know, that's up there with some of the greatest mistakes. Um, and especially the fact that there was two uh, really, really sours the night even more for him. Um, and I guess his reaction really showed that after the game, you know, with the with the crying, with the apology, the apologies, and if you know, if I'm, I'm true to you here, the reaction after both mistakes during the game, um, he seemed to really try his best to put it behind him. You know, it wasn't like he was apologizing mid-game or anything. You know, he tried to really keep the game face on, and um, you know, it's quite horrid when I watched the game for a second time just for the sake of it after I watched it in the cinema. Uh, and after the first mistake, the commentators, I'm not sure if everyone around the world gets the exact same commentators, but I think most English-speaking countries do. The commentators said after Sun, after Mane scored, sorry, um, well, you know, how would Lloris Karius be feeling, you know, um, as if to say, well, his mistakes semi-repented for, you know, he must be feeling so relieved. And it was really, really sad to hear that after knowing the final result and knowing what ends up happening in the game. Uh, but moving on from there, uh, just really quickly on that, actually, um, I've seen a few good good shows of sportsmanship. Even Eric Bailly came out, you know, Manchester and Manchester United, uh, should I say, and Liverpool, uh, classic rivals. Seeing Eric Bailly come out and say, you know, you're a good goalkeeper, keep your head up. And a lot of ex, um, ex-keepers as well coming out and saying, you know, you're a great player, mate, keep it up. Go through his Instagram, his Twitter, um, any kind of social media of his and go through the comments. And if you see any comment from like a verified account, you'll see that a lot of professionals or ex-professionals are really lending out an olive branch for him and I love that um, a lot of the Liverpool fans as well because there was a post going around that said uh, go to go to Twitter search for 
Carrius die. And you'll go through and you'll see so many fans of Liverpool uh, bagging him out, saying you should go die. You know, absolutely extreme stuff. And it's horrible. I hated seeing all that. Um, and I don't think it has any place in our game. Um, but there was also a lot of Liverpool fans, you know, with the typical you'll never walk alone and really, really uh, sticking up for him when people were getting a bit extreme. So that was good to see. Good to restore a bit of faith <laughs> faith in humanity after seeing some of those horrible uh, comments. Again, we love football. We live and breathe football, but uh, there's certain times where it gets a bit much um, if you're saying things like that, you know. But I can understand the frustration. I just, yeah, definitely not the right way to express it. Uh, but I feel feel sorry for the bloke. If he ever uh, walks out in a Liverpool kit again, it's going to be, you know, a very tense feeling if he's between the sticks. Uh, hopefully it's a fairy tale for him. Hopefully, you know, first game next season, he's between the sticks and he pulls off some amazing saves. They win and he gets an absolutely amazing uh, reception um, by the Liverpool fans. But in, I guess, the most probable thing, that's going to happen here is he'll end up being shipped off or a bigger named bigger name keeper will come in. But moving on, I'd like to point out a couple of huge things. I'm not sure if you guys remember, but in my last episode, uh, in my preview of this game, who did I say was going to be the difference? I'll wait for it. That's right. I said Gareth Bale and Kareem Benzema. Kareem Benzema scored, but then had it ruled off and then scored, you know, off that mistake and then Gareth Bale scored two goals so if if you guys were betting people and you took my advice you would be in for so much money let's be honest an accumulator or a a multi-bet on a Benzema and Bale to score especially with Bale off the bench would have been incredible and I didn't follow through with it because I didn't even think to, to wager on any of this but there you go not to say that my tips in future will be great because they're usually not but I called it so I just wanted to say I told you so I should have put that at the start of the episode so anyone who, who doesn't listen the whole way through knows that this guy this guy knows his stuff. Put me on ESPN, everyone. <laughs> but moving on, uh, so it was good to see Benzema have a decent game. Um, it's just always so fitting for him to have a good game when, when people are talking about him leaving um, or being moved on, should I say. So that that's an interesting talking point as well to see what's going to happen there. The fallout after the game as well with Emre Chan uh, moving to Juventus. And Liverpool, oh, the, the Chan the Chan move was already penciled in, but, you know, it, it still needed to be communicated uh, as a free agent as well, so no money recouped there or no money made there, uh, which would have been nice for the club. But Fabinho brought in for a large sum and Keita brought in, so a very new-look Liverpool. There's a lot of uh, talk as to whether Henderson will even be in the starting lineup, so I'll, I'll be very interested to see uh, what happens there with the captain of the club and how Klopp treats uh, the situation. There's a lot more competition now. So it's um, it's it's very much a watch this space. And whether they'll be able to put a run through the league next year is, is yet to be seen, but there's a, there's a great chance, you know, if, if Salah um, returns to fitness, which is the other talking point. So that injury, it's you just can't avoid it. Uh, whether Salah, you know, makes the World Cup will be will be very interesting. And I'm worried for Egyptian fans. You know, if he's not there, then it really is, you know, a great chance for Russia to, to pip them. Um, I still think Uruguay is coming first, and I thought they were coming first with or without Salah in, in the group. So that doesn't change much in that regard, but it gives a lot of, a lot of hope for the, the two teams that I ranked below um, and didn't expect to make it through. But uh, that tackle by Ramos. Now, it's divided me. It's divided me a lot. Because the first time I saw it on the replay, you know, with the commentator 
um, commentator talking me through it. It seemed a bit innocuous to me. I didn't. I wasn't completely convinced that it was uh, on purpose. Um, but then the replays after the game came out and the live reaction that I saw, you know, just on social streams um, when I logged on to my or got onto my phone at half time, um, was overwhelmingly basically Ramos is a grub, all that sort of stuff, um, which I I can see why, and there are definitely cases. Um, but there are a few where where I think he's been hard done by because of his reputation. Now this one, uh, of course, I was completely on the on the bandwagon of it was on purpose, it was deliberate. But then there was an alternate angle shown, and it appears as though Salah is the one that locks arms first. But then again, Ramos is the one that kind of follows through with it. So it does add another dimension to the whole the whole saga, you could say. Um, but it still doesn't look the best for Ramos with his track record. Um, you know, you never want to see a player go off in, tear, in tears. And um, it was comical that some of the posts, as in I heard something along the lines of there's a $1.5 billion lawsuit lodged by an Egyptian lawyer, which I think was just, you know, a, a publicity type thing. Uh, but it's very interesting. And um, I'd love to see or hear from any Egyptian fans and see how they're feeling looking up to the World Cup. Uh, feel free to download the Anchor app, which is where I do my my actual podcasting, um, and then it gets sent out to to iTunes and Apple Music. But uh, if you download Anchor, Anchor FM, you can actually send in voice messages, and I can include you in my show. But yes, this Salah situation—you never want to see someone go off in tears. Uh, I felt so sorry for Daniel uh, Carvajal, Daniel Carvajal as well. Um, that that was quite tough to see both of them because especially because of Carvajal's uh, history in finals um, let alone Salah with him being the lifeblood of that team and you could definitely tell that there was a real um, they really put their heads down after that moment uh, you know it was, it was tough to see and it really swung the game uh, Liverpool really rallied uh, with Mane's goal um, but I think any team say Real Madrid loses Ronaldo who wasn't invisible in this game, but didn't have, you know, the, the best of games. He, he wasn't bad, though. Um, say Ronaldo gets injured in the 20th minute after they're in the ascendancy. And then Navas makes two huge blunders and they're down. I think any team in world football just would struggle too much to get, get back from that. Um, there are classic, classic examples where a team can really come back out of the blue. Liverpool's a great example of that. But, um, you know, there's there's just not much chance that that anything can come from a situation like that. And even if it did go to, say, a, um, a, an extra time, for example, then Liverpool's got a whole extra time without one of their best pressing players. And after pressing football for 90 minutes, I think an extra 30 can really kill you, um, especially with Real Madrid's record in extra time. Uh, Atletico in the final uh, is a great example there as well with Bale coming through there. Um, it just doesn't seem like it's going to go well for any team, let alone a team who's lost their best player. So, uh, yes, very tough to see. Uh, the tears were definitely warranted um, from Salah. I mean, I completely understand. It's quite horrific. But Real Madrid didn't, did win the game. And um, not to take anything away from them either. It was, a, it was a spectacle because I was in my last podcast predicting, you know, entertaining football, and I think we got that. I was very pleased with the with the game. It wasn't cagey. It wasn't. It wasn't everyone sit back and hope for a counterattack. It was a very good game, and that's the best way I can put it without trying to put my my coach lens on, my tactician's lens on, and completely dissect it to the point where it gets ruined. 
I love the fact that there was just good attacking football. You know, it's 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 something that does get lost every now and then in the just the, the wonder and the awe of a grand final, uh, in, a, in a Champions League final especially. You can think of recent examples. You've got your Chelsea's, your Porto, a lot of the Mourinho teams, uh, Real Madrid at times, where it just gets so cagey, it gets so defensive, and um, there's nothing better than a, a perfectly executed counterattack, but you do have to go through a lot of the boring defensive displays and don't get me wrong defense is and defending is an art i i have so much respect for some of the best defenders out there because they do conduct their their business beautifully but when the whole team's sitting back it's just not the the best brand of football uh in my opinion of course you could be uh, inclined differently but definitely in my opinion what we saw uh the other day was was gorgeous football uh moving on though there's not too many points from there but, um, of course, with Salah coming off, I feel like Lallana didn't play badly. He did not play badly, but just wasn't enough. Um, and Marcelo definitely still got to get involved. I feel as though Carvajal was having a much harder night. And so Nacho coming on really didn't, um, if anything, improved the side. I didn't see them get any worse on that side of the that flank or that, that defensive pocket. Um, I think he did a great job. Uh, other players around the pitch... Look, I think the best way to round out this podcast is to get to the nitty-gritty. Well, not the nitty-gritty, but the, the one thing you've come here for, Gareth freaking Bale. Mate, everyone, listeners, what was that? I mean, let alone that second goal. I mean, that second goal, of course, the keeper's always going to overshadow that, and I think Karius's display might be the memorable thing from this game, which is quite sad considering that not only is it such a horrible thing for him, but uh, Gareth Bale scored two incredible goals. The second one, uh, most keepers would have saved it, but the fact that it swerved that much in the air, you could see Karius get caught in two minds as it as it changes motion in, in midair, um, which explains the fumble, in my opinion. You can see him look to go one way, and then the ball swerves, and he struggles because he's already committed his weight to one side. So I feel sorry for him on that, on that goal. Um, but that overhead kick, that bicycle... I just, I have no words. I mean, people have come to me and they've said, Richard, mate, where do you put that compared to Ronaldo's? And it's no question for me, Bale's is so much better. Um, <laughs> Not to take anything away from Ronaldo's. I mean, that crept in. Um, that seemed to be a bit more unsavable um, than Bale's, but Bale's just was gorgeous. And what I find quite remarkable is in the one team, we've got, say, the three contenders for the best goal of all time in the Champions League. How how, how marvellous is that? You've got Ronaldo. You've got Gareth Bale. But let's not forget Zinedine Zidane's goal against Bayer Leverkusen. The technique was gorgeous. Technique was perfect. But then what do you call these other two? Uh, just the level of difficulty, the the beauty. If you look at the footage again, uh, the way he moves his foot at the very last moment, it, it's as if he's practiced this every day for the for, for all his life. And I remember after the Ronaldo goal, um, there came footage. There was footage leaked of a, a training session, or just footage released of a training session where he did the exact same thing. So they practice it, but it's just crazy to see that it's something maybe they will attempt together. Um, five, six times a whole year, and they've gone in. With the level of difficulty, it's amazing. And I've seen Ronaldo attempt a couple every now and then. Um, 
maybe maybe put it at like four or five for the two of them across the whole year. They haven't really tried that many. But I have seen Ronaldo try a couple. But this is the first time I've seen Bale do it this year. Maybe I've missed a couple attempts. But just with the level of difficulty and you've got strikers and some of the best players in the world who have never done this in their whole career, yet these guys do it in the Champions League. And Gareth Bale in this situation has done it in the final of a Champions League. I just can't think of any goals in a in a final that were that just that perfect. Uh, it's ca- it's perfect for the cameras too. I mean that in slow motion is just unreal. And I just don't have many more words for it. It's one of those things. It's really taken me back, and it just gets me <laughs> not not a shameless plug, but it gets me so excited for the World Cup because um, World Cups are also just um, a time where we're absolutely insane odd, crazy things happen. Uh, Tim Cahill, Hamas Rodriguez, Robin Van Persie at the last World Cup, for example. Just things that you just don't see. And it makes you think, wow, these guys human. So props to Gareth Bale. I've got nothing more to say on that goal. Incredible. Um, But as for the performance of the whole squad and for both teams, I'm I'm glad that that game happened. I'm glad that Liverpool really went out and attacked and really pressured um, I'm glad they didn't go back into their shell, even with Salah going off. You know, they're still still pressed. And they brought that Gergen pressing and that Klopp football to the Champions League final, which was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, Real Madrid, four in five years. Um, Ronaldo now has five, including his from Manchester United. So what's that? Uh, the most of all time, I think, tied with Paolo Maldini. Um, but Maldini's also includes a European Cup. But of course, we do count those. Uh, as Real Madrid what, believe that this is their 13th, but that includes European Cups. Um, I saw an incredible stat. Ronaldo has just as many Champions Leagues as Liverpool or Barcelona. Um, of course, Barca, you know, have had a lot of theirs come in recent times and during their tiki-taka era. But it's just a feat that I don't see being matched for quite a while. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if Ronaldo ends up outright first. Um, with European Cups, of course, I just don't see a sixth, a sixth that out of reach. If they can win this one, then Ronaldo can get his sixth. I just don't see any, any way about it. Especially with the fact that both of these teams, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, did not win their leagues. Yet here they are on the greatest club football stage of all. Um, so a real, a real spectacle, and that's what the sport loves, and that's what the sport needed. Um, But thank you guys very much for listening to this episode. I appreciate all you guys listening and keeping keeping me up there in the charts. Uh, Be sure to send your voice messages in with the Anchor FM app and keep it locked here as we get back to our usual World Cup programming. Thank you, everyone, and enjoy your evenings.